Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Hey, listen, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that's been happening during this time is I've been spending a lot of time at home. Anybody else? Spending a lot of time at home. It's like a thing, right? Yeah, so so I've been doing a ton of yard work, and I told you guys like a couple months ago that like my wife, Pastor Melody, is not allowed to go outside anymore because every time she goes outside, she finds another thing that I have to dig up or move. And so we've been doing tons and tons of yard work and all this outdoor stuff, and we kind of created a little outdoor space, and it was really fun to kind of do this thing because we wanted to have a space that we could really enjoy uh, since we're going to be home a lot, so we started putting some time and energy into that. So I've realized, though, in all of this, that I, I never knew that I had an arch nemesis. And I actually do. And it is water. It is water. If you've done, ever done anything around your home or outside, you know that water is absolutely ridiculous. It, it, do, it goes wherever it wants to go. It has a mind of its own. It doesn't care what you put where you want it to be. It just takes its space and its time and it does whatever the heck it wants to do. And so we put these retaining walls in and it was like, I mean, a couple of days of like shoveling dirt, digging stuff out. And if you know about digging around here, it's mostly this red clay stuff and it's not, it's not forgiving. It's like, it's really difficult. So we get in there, dig all this stuff out. Me and my boys are out there. We put out all this stuff, all these retaining walls in, and the rains came like, like crazy for like four days for a little while there. And it destroyed everything that we had done. I mean, it put, I mean, like all the stones were shifted, all the, like, all this mud had like fallen through and it was all down in this area that we were trying to keep nice and pretty and dropped mud everywhere and moved everything. I was like, I can't win. I can't win. I have to go back and I have to redo everything that I had once done before. All this stuff that I'd done and I had to redo all because of water, but it's just water, right? I mean, check it out. It's just water, right? It's just this simple, little, fragile, movable, like I could just kind of carry it wherever I want it to go. You can drink it, right? It's safe for you to, well, I mean, all right, let me just, quick disclaimer. Don't, kids, don't drink any water you see, okay? You, you need to make sure that it comes from a safe source. But you could drink water, right? I mean, like, think about it. But also, I want to tell you about something. I read this on the internet. And you know it's reliable because everything on the internet is true. Kids, also, that's not fact. <laughs> Have you ever heard about the chemical dihydrogen oxide? This chemical is a major component in acid rain. It can cause severe burns in a gaseous state. Accidental inhalation can kill you. It contributes to erosion. It decreases the effectiveness of automobile brakes. It has been found in every single hospital patient. Think about that, man. It's been in every single hospital patient. Leads to corrosion and oxidation of many metals, contamination of electrical systems, can cause short circuits. And it's a major factor in killer cyclones, hurricanes, and El Nino. It's dihydrogen oxide. And of course, I'm talking about water. Because water is a powerful and dangerous thing. So simple, but yet so powerful. Think of the videos you've seen of tsunamis and, and hurricanes, and, and you've seen, oh, you know what, as a matter of fact, my three-year-old son is obsessed with the Titanic. Why? I have no idea. But he's obsessed with the Titanic, he wants to watch Titanic videos all the time. And you've got really, to be really careful with these videos that are on the, the televisions about, about the Titanic. But anyway, water technically took out the Titanic. 
right? The greatest ship of all time. And it moves mountains. And if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, anybody in, the, in this house ever been to the Grand Canyon, right? And you've seen what water did over years and years and years, cutting through these massive canyons. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And for us, as Christians, water is even more powerful by the presence of the Holy Spirit in baptism. When I was in, um, when I was in seminary, uh, you do this thing called clinical pastoral education. You spend some time working in a hospital. And I, I think I told this story a few years ago. So for those of you that heard it again, uh, hearing it again, I apologize. But it was a really powerful moment for me. I was there as the, as the sort of the chaplain on call. I, for some reason, decided to volunteer to be the first one to be on call. I don't know why, but I did. It was dumb. But, but I got to get out of the way. So I'm like, I'll just go ahead and do it. Rip the bandaid off. So I go in and I'm uh, the chaplain and it's getting kind of late and there's really not much going on. About 10 o'clock at night, we get this call for this young lady who's suffering for some, from some complications of lupus. And, and we had a great conversation and just asked if I, you know, she wanted me to pray over her and that kind of stuff. And we did that. But she progressively got worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was about 1 a.m., and I um, got a call that said the family would like me to come and uh, baptize her. She wanted to be baptized um, before she died, and it was looking like she was going to die. So, so I, I, I you know, uh, got, got dressed, uh, left the little chaplain room, and I walked out, and I realized I was just holding, like, my Bible. I didn't have anything else. Like, I didn't have any of, like, the, the particular liturgies that you do. I didn't have any of the stuff. All I had was this Bible and then whatever I had in my mind, right? And so I walk into the, this hospital room and it's just devastating, right? The family's there, they're all, they're all kind of around her. And, and this young woman who I just talked to, she was 21 years old, I just talked to her hours before, is now on a ventilator and is ready to go. I mean, it was the strangest experience. And here I stood holding a Bible and nothing else and they're all looking at me. Like, what are you going to do? And I realized in that moment, like, I, I don't even have, like, a water. I don't, I, I don't even know. So I went and grabbed a styrofoam cup, and I poured water from the sink in this styrofoam cup. And I walked over and baptized her using all the things that I can remember about what you're supposed to do. And we prayed the Lord's Prayer. We read some scripture, but when we prayed the Lord's Prayer, we said, Amen, and she died. They're in our arms. And what a terrible, beautiful moment for the church. Because I didn't have enough as a pastor. I didn't have all the things that I probably should have had with me. But what was there was water. Not some special water, but the same water that we drink, that we wash our faces in. I think that's why God shows water for baptism because it's so abundant, it's everywhere, and it's so powerful. Baptism is water plus this Holy Spirit plus God's promises attached. It's one of my favorite parts about being Lutheran is our emphasis on baptism, on the beauty of what that is. It's not about our confession of faith. It's about God's confession of faith in you. It's about God making promises to you, with you, for you. You might believe in God, but there are going to be days when you don't, when you walk away, when doubt overtakes your faith. However, God never stops believing in you. I want you to hear that, church. You might believe in God, but there are going to be days when you don't. But never does God stop believing in you.
Martin Luther, one of the, 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 the fathers of faith, right? He struggled with that big time. I can't do enough. I can't confess my sin enough to feel right. I can't do the things. I can't bring enough sacrifice to God. Like, I just can't do enough. And Micah is this prophet that we're reading this week in Scripture. And, and I hope that you're keeping up with the prophets. It's really, really, really cool stuff and amazing stories. And this writing is beautiful. It's like a back-and-forth conversation with God where God speaks and then the people speak and then God speaks. And Micah is just this beautiful, wonderful iteration of that. But there's this really cool detail that I want to take just a second and talk about. If it's okay, just for a minute, we'll go aside from everything else. That Micah is actually the first one to predict that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. That that's where the Savior will come forth. And it's such a cool thing. Let's see, can we read, I'm going to read, I'm going to see if I can find that scripture real quick. It's um, chapter 6, verse, no, yes, no, it's uh, verse 2, what is it? Why don't I have it? Thank you, 2E. Yeah, 2E skipped to 4. There he is. <laughs> Man, I'm glad we got Mo. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrath, you who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, he shall be the one of peace. Here's one of the coolest things in Micah. Because the place where Jesus is going to be born is not one of those great towns. It's not one of those powerful places. It's not one of the places where you'd expect a warrior and a savior to come from. It's this little town. And a brief aside about it, I think, that's really interesting, is the name is Bethlehem. Everybody say Bethlehem. But if we say it correctly, it would be Beit Lechem. Say that. Beit Lechem. <laughs> why do they call it that? They call it that. We don't really know exactly why they call it that, but we know what that means. It means house of bread. House of bread. Jesus says at one point, I am the bread of life. We break bread in communion. It makes so much sense that Bethlehem is the place that brings forth the bread of life. This small place. It wasn't some big, great, massive place. It was a little town, even spoken as such, and Micah, come to me all who, you are, who are weary and I will give you rest. Take this bread and eat. Those who do will never be hungry again. I think that's a really important aside. But today we're going to concentrate on some other parts of this scripture, but I want you to hold on to that one for a little bit. We're going to concentrate on the most famous text from Micah, which is Micah what? Anybody know? Only because you're reading the papers. This, uh, Micah 6.8, it's a beautiful verse. But I want to back it up just a bit. I want to go back just a little bit in chapter 6 and, uh, and, and, and kind of walk through these verses. I tell you what, we're going to start with verse 6. So if you have your scripture, open it up. And uh, we're going to look at Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. It starts here. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense, right? That's a great beginning to this part of the scripture. Well, we should come and bow before the Lord. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. Acknowledging that God is God and we're not cool. I'm on board. Let's keep going. What's next? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Okay. Makes sense for that culture. Might weird out some of our children to do that now. But, a little, but, it's, but this is good. Sounds good. I'm still on board. I can, get, I can get behind that. Makes perfect sense. All right. Good. We keep going. This is how we approach the Lord. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 
with 10,000 of rivers of oil. Okay, time out. Time out. It's getting a little out of hand now. This is like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> like there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things happening, right? Thousands of rams? I mean, this is, this is significant. I don't, that's more than 1,000. It's at least two, right? 2,000 at least rams. And then tens, thousands of rivers of oil? I mean, does God run KFC? I mean, like, how do you need that much oil? Like, what are you, I mean, this is getting outrageous now. <laughs> Thanks for walking with me on this one. Next part. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Oh, full stop. That's crazy. My, my firstborn, Ashton, if you're watching this, which you're not because you're in college, you're sleeping right now, but... I had nothing to do with the scripture, okay? I'm just reading it as it is. But then in verse 8, the answer comes. And this is what I want you to hold on to. All of those things, right? It starts kind of easy and simple. We should approach God, right? We should be humble as we do so. But then what do we do? we need this? Do we need to take thousands of rams? Do we need tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Even just my firstborn, I give up the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. But then the answer comes in 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, listen to this, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Man, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. You can just sit back, right? I mean, God doesn't want much. Those are pretty easy, right? Just be with God. Got it. But there's just one problem with only hearing it that way. Sometimes that leads to what we would call cheap grace, right? Where you think, well, God just wants us to come, and it's just, it's just for me. It makes me feel happy, and you know, just be with God. That's what I'm hearing there. It's just be with God. It's all about what's in it for me. Pastor Drew in our worship planning, uh, I want to give him credit for this. He was telling this story about this uh, bodybuilder, right? It was a bodybuilder that had like, you know, just massive like arms. You've seen, you've seen these guys where like they're just, I mean, it's amazing. Men and women that do this are, are incredible. We actually have a bodybuilder in our congregation and watching his journey and the things that he went through. I mean, like it's intense and it's a massive amount, right? And so they got these massive muscles, right? And so the interviewer is talking to this guy and he's out there and they're, of course, they wear very little teeny Speedo thingies when they go out because they got to show off all the muscles. I mean, that's why you came to see the muscles. So you're going to see it all, right? So he's out there and he's doing this flex thing and I can't do it. I can't do it. Like our bodybuilders just like, stop, Matt, stop. Don't do it. That's not how it happens. That's not what it looks like. I'm just going for it, right? Bodybuilders out there and interview says, this is amazing. I mean, you're just amazing. What a specimen. Now, now what do you use all those muscles for? And the guy was like, I'll show you. So he stands up walks out in front of the audience and does this like, boom, and all the ladies go, they're just going crazy. He looks back at the interviewer, little wink, that's why, that's what I do with these muscles. And the interviewer's like, that, absolutely, I get it, great, great stuff, great stuff. But, but, but let me just ask you again, what, what do you do with all of those muscles? And the guy's like, Did, don't, you, don't, you, don't you remember? Like, pow, check it out. He's like, no, no, no. I, I see that. Seriously, amazing. But what do you do with all those muscles? Brothers and sisters, in the powerful waters of baptism, this little teeny glass of water, the water that I used to baptize that young lady was the same as this, in a cup very similar to this. It's just water. 
except when the Holy Spirit brings it to life in you. You were given great gifts, great and powerful muscles to move mountains. Maybe you're thinking, muscles, yes, let's, let's do this. What else can I do? I got, I got muscles, I got spiritual muscles. I need to hear that, Pastor Matt, but what are my muscles for? What are my gifts for? I wanna get after it, I'm gonna do as much as I can. Matter of fact, I think it's about time I'm gonna go find 2,000 rams. I could do it with my muscles. I can pull them together. I can get together the tens of thousands of rivers of oil. I'll pull it together for the Lord. I can do it, man. I can bring everything. I'll give my every bit of my all. I'll speak in tongues of angels and, and I will do works amongst the people and I will find the poor and I will take care of everything. <laughs> All of you that are thinking that, just hear this. All God asks is that we walk humbly with God. Think about it. Not just humbly, but with God. Our call is just to be with God. God and not forget what that ultimately means for us. It means that we do justice, that we love kindness, and that we walk humbly with God. So where is there injustice around you? Well, what else are we supposed to do but stand up for justice? When there's injustice around you, church, that's what God calls us to do. It's not so much about what we can bring to the Lord, it's about what we can bring for those around us. It's about not being focused solely on just making sure that we please God so that we get our ticket to heaven. It's just as much or more about seeing our neighbor in need and standing up when you hear things, when you hear people say awful things to one another. Tell the story of why they don't wanna do that, why we don't wanna be dividing against one another. When there's unkindness and division around you, what else are we supposed to do but step up and bring joy and with God walk in humility and humbleness? Remember what your baptism calls you to do, to be washed in those waters of baptism. Where's God at work? Why did God choose you? Go and do those things that God gave you to do. Use those spiritual muscles. Yes, because you love God. They're not for just standing up in front of people and getting a big woo. They're for doing the work of the Lord. And even more, you're not doing it because you love God, but you're doing it because God loves you. You good? Everybody good? But wait, there's more. I want you to think about this. All right, so <clears throat> here I am standing in front of these walls. These retaining walls that I built that I worked so hard on. I stacked everything in place. I did a good job. I did all the right. I read the YouTubes. I read the YouTubes. I'm 40. <clears throat> I learned how to do it. I knew exactly what to do. I put them all in place and the rain just came and destroyed it. And I realized that I was not equipped with the kind of muscles that I needed to do everything. There were some things that I could do. There were some parts that I could play. There are some parts that I could be, but not all of them. And I had to call some people in, some pros, some experts, to fix what I couldn't do. All my work was pointless, it seemed, but, but it wasn't. I grew an appreciation of my space out there. I, I, I grew in my work and my care for my home. I got a bunch of really good workouts in so I could, bam, my muscles. All that soil was moved so that they could come in and do their part because these parts all together make up the one body. In Ephesians 4, Paul reminds us that there is one body, one faith, one baptism. So here's the thing, I needed help because we all do. 
God has given you spiritual muscles to not just flex for the fun of it, but to fix parts of the world that God calls you into. God's put those things in your peripheral vision so that you can see the places where you get to come together as one body with all of those. I needed them to come and rework all that I had done, and that's how it works, brothers and sisters, because you're not alone, and you can't do it all, and God doesn't require that of you. We, the whole church, have been given muscles to use. We are one body together in the waters of baptism. There's lots of very different, very powerful muscles, all of us. So just take a second in your home or in the space here or wherever you are and look to your left and right. Look to your left and right. Look at the people that God has put around you right now. And then let's go get it. Instead of asking what else must I do, let's start asking what else can we do? What else can we fix? What else can we serve? What else can we speak up for? And may the mighty waters of justice and mercy roll down on a world desperate for life, for abundance, for grace, for mercy. Because for what else, brothers and sisters, were we even created? Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.